Well, um, if anybody has any debts, Kyle will be over here to lay hands. <laughs> uh, don't line up right now yet, though. Amen. Praise God. If you don't have the note, is there, am I ringing? I am ringing. Okay. Well, if I, if I keep ringing, uh, it'll work out. So uh, if you don't have, if you would like a copy of the notes, that you can get them QR code style, you can get them online, uh, all that kind of stuff. But it'll, it'll help you to follow along. Um, there is a, clearly a flow of the Spirit, openings of the Spirit, uh, all, all those kinds of uh, things that are happening in the Spirit. And I just encourage all of us to, to reach out and receive all God has to fill us, and then not just so we can be filled, but we can then release to others. <clears throat> I was on a mission trip to uh, California back at when I was at Baylor summer, uh, summer sp spring break, and I'm, I still remember vividly putting my head on the pillow at night, just so exhausted, but exhausted because it was like the circuit riders; it was sharing the Lord. If you, it was pouring, there was something. There was a pouring out. And then I'd lay my head on the pillow and go, Lord, this is amazing. And then he would fill me back up for the next day. And I believe he wants to, to do that for us when we, when we are poured out and when we release that. I, I did ask the Holy Spirit. I can't really go to any meeting really without asking the Lord what's on your heart, Holy Spirit. I mean, there are many things, obviously, <clears throat> that are on his heart, but... Uh, what came back to me was something I hadn't ever really heard before for our, one of our meetings. And uh, he said, uh, I'm enjoying you. Not me, but yes, me, but us. I'm enjoying you like this. It, we in our yes inspire great joy in the Lord. And there's a there's Psalm 16 talks about the we are the excellent ones, even though we stumble. We're the excellent ones in whom is all his delight. And so I want you just to receive that. He, as we, the more we feel and sense his enjoyment of us, the more we can enjoy each other. The less we hold each other with a tough, tough cord. So, so fathers, we come to your word as we, we, we see it, Lord, like, uh, like nourishment, we see it as your seeds engrafted in us, uh, the incorruptible seed. May, may it take root, and may the, what your word does, the DNA of your kingdom, may it cause us to, to walk and live more and more conformed to you and to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, a lot of years, I get a picture, like a banner in my, my mind, a picture for the year, like 2019 is this, or 2018, and when 2020 rolled around, I didn't get anything, and I would hear people say, oh, 2020 is going to be a year of perfect vision, and like, <laughs> I'm not going to get up and say anything, because I don't feel a pressure to have to say what something. But I do believe there are, there are two banners, uh, which, are, which are basically God saying, I want to help you, church, to step into all my desires for the year. 
Okay, so there were two, two banners over River in the Hills for this year, and with two different words, prepare and possess. Prepare and possess. Pastor Nate's been sharing wonderful messages on preparation. I was seeing instantly when I saw that banner of prepare. It's been a year, it's a year of the Lord helping prepare us. Prepare us for first a greater move of the Spirit. Yeah. Second, to prepare us for the return of the Lord Jesus. We don't know when that is. I'm not saying any predictions here, but it's to prepare us for the Lord's return. And third, and I know this is why it kind of came from the Lord. Third is to prepare us for more trouble. For more trouble. We get reprieves and then more trouble. And so somebody said this. Am I, is everybody irritated with my voice here? You need to fix me? I'm seeing much pain on people's eyes. Do you want me to just go to a mic? Okay. More than usual pain in people's expressions. Um, so I was seeing this, that, um, that uh, someone has said this phrase before um, when I talked about prepare for trouble. The Lord, I don't know, Suzanne would say this many times, say, may the Lord give you double for your trouble. So I'm ready to claim that, right? Amen. For any trouble we come into, let's claim double for our trouble. Um, are we still good? We okay? Okay. So, on possess, though, that's what this message is, you know, these, these lessons from Caleb are about Numbers 1330. Uh, not yet on that, but to, to possess the land, go up at once and take possession of the land. When we talk about um, that kind of idea, I actually realized this is one of our original banners that was in storage from 20 years ago. For River in the Hills, there were three of them, and this one says, Possess ye the land. And so, uh, repairers of the breach. And so, I thought it would be good to, as a little visual today, that this is one of the, the things that's on God's heart for us, is that we possess the land that God has promised us. The promises of God. Paragraph A, it took uh, Joshua and Caleb... Um, 40 years, and the, the Israelites, 40 years before they eventually took possession of a literal promised land. Today, we've been drafted into an army that has been called to take possession of a land of promises. We're not taking physical territory like that, although there are territories where God's moving in His Spirit, and there are there's clearly like, hey, that's an area where... There's a lot more activity of God. The church is on, on alive. So, but, um, so God's called his church. He's called us to be like Caleb, to be valiant like Caleb, to be able to uh, move in authority to where we ignite a spirit of victory in the people around us, where we're affecting those around us. We're releasing in them a sense of faith, a sense of confidence, a righteous ferocity that moves them to say, I'm going to move forward, not backwards. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to rise up 
in the strength and grace of God. Now, that word possess is interesting because most, I don't think the Israelites fully understood what that word meant there in Numbers 13.30 when it said, when Caleb said, let us go up at once and take possession of the land. Because the word possess in the original Hebrew, and I don't know how much we understand it today. The word possess means literally to dispossess the current occupants. Well, I want to possess the promises. Well, in order to possess the promises, it requires a battle. It requires, once you dispossess the current occupant, then you can take possession. And so that's why I call it an army. That's why I I understand the more the church understands that that it requires a battle, the more we're prepared for war, we are then able to, to possess more because we dispossess the enemy more, okay? So that's, where, that's what, what I'm seeing here. Now, when, <clears throat> when I meditated on this land, possess ye the land, I thought about two things. I felt like the Lord put it in my heart. There, there are two kinds of land that today we can take possession of internal and external. There's the the internal land of our heart. It's the things in our heart that haven't yet come under the rulership of Jesus, the rulership of Christ. And we've given our heart to the Lord. But how many of you know if we're honest, there are parts of our heart that we just kind of say, you know, I'm going to leave that to me. I'm going to take care of that. And it's going to, you know, I'm going to do my, my thing there. And, and uh, it's not really under the rulership or the prevailing influence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You see, our heart gets influenced, right? By good and evil, all kinds of things. I want every part of my heart to come under the prevailing influence of the Holy Spirit. It's where, yes, temptations or testings can come. It's like Martin Luther said, um, temptation is like birds flying over your head. You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And so there's the, I want the prevailing influence to be you, Lord, not these counterattacks. I mean, you've experienced some things today I got news for you. The enemy doesn't like it. He may try to count. He probably will try to counterpunch you this afternoon or this this week. We've got to be ready for that. So, Lord, in, in the internal, I've got more land in my heart that I want his prevailing influence to rule and reign. <clears throat> it's things inside our heart. External is things outside of us that, okay, I'll say it this way. Internal is things in our heart that, that cause us to turn to Jesus. External is things outside of us that we're praying will turn to Jesus. It's people that we're praying for. We want to, when we say take the land, I want my whole family to know the Lord. Okay, that's, ta- that's possessing the land. So why do we pray? We do warfare. We dispossess the deception that some of our family members extended may be going through. 
we dispossess through prayer so that they can turn to Jesus. Or circumstances. It's external things. The land external is, I want my circumstances to turn around and I want the people in my life to turn to Jesus. It's both turning, but that's what we're, we're called to do in this hour. So um, Roman numeral two, as I've said before, this is part three of this. Um, it's kind of been staggered because I said it's a, a banner over the, the church for the, for the year. Roman numeral two, Caleb in Hebrew literally means dog. And so names in Hebrew meant something. And so this is called Lessons from Caleb. And, I, and I'm going to give, share, hopefully time, yeah, I'll have time, three more lessons from Caleb's life that are related to a dog's life and that I believe will inspire us uh, in this way. So um, I want to say right at the beginning, I confess I'm a dog lover, all right? Um, that's, that's my dog. He's no longer with me, but his name's Kobe. Um, but I, there's no reason, since I say I'm a dog lover, to divide the church over it, right? <laughs> no. You know, it's not like I'm saying, okay, all the cat lovers sit, in the, sit to the left. All the dog lovers sit to the right. It's just an illustration. And those who could care less sit in the, sit in the middle, right? I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but see, I'm, I'm po being politically sensitive. So there's a kitty cat praying. So, and all the cat lovers put down their, their stones. <clears throat> wow. There's nothing wrong with cats. It's just that Caleb means dog, so I'm going with it, okay? So the first thing of today, the first lesson, is that dogs are very discerning. They're very discerning. They, Caleb was discerning. He walked by faith and not by sight. And so... Basically, dogs, okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us as Christians, we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, that by faith, you could also say we walk by our senses, by scent, and not by what we see. And so it's inter some interesting things about dogs here. Um, the, there's a book, interesting book called Blind Courage, and it's about a, a man who was, excuse me, I'm going to cough a little cough this week. Um, blind Courage is about a, a, a man who was, became blind from a rare eye disease, and he came to know Christ. And he was so thankful that Jesus had saved him, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? I'm just so full of thanks. What do you want me to do? And he felt like the Lord said back to him, I want you to walk the Appalachian Trail. Now, the Appalachian Trail isn't like a little thing out here in Lakeway. This was 21, this is 2,100 miles from Georgia to Maine, a very rough terrain. And he's blind. He's like, I could, that can't be right. Lord, I'll do anything. What do you want me to do for you? He'd say, oh, I want you to walk the Appalachian Trail. Every time. 
And so finally, he said, okay, with his seeing dog named Orient, that's Orient, they set out and he made the trip 2,100 miles with no real companion except for his dog, Orient. Now, this is what he says about dogs. When it comes to priority of senses, Orient got his information from his nose first, his ears second, and his eyes last. He walked by scent and not by sight. That's a lesson for us. A little more scientific about this. Um, scientists have found that a dog's sense of smell is somewhere between 10,000 and 100,000 times more acute than our sense of smell. Because in their studies, the nose of a dog, you know the dog's nose is more? A bulldog, not so much, but <laughs> there are up to 300 million olfactory receptors. Human beings have 6 million. 300 million to 6 million, they have, um, and the, the, area, the part of their brain that's devoted to smell is 40 times greater than a human being's sense of smell. So when you think of Caleb and you think of that, it's like, wow, the Lord's really after us being discerning. And here's something really cool that I found out in studying about this. Every human being has an innate, unique scent. And dogs can tell the difference between every human being's scent. So your dog doesn't have to see you to identify you. We don't have to see him all the time to know in our spirit. So do you have a good sense of scent? I'm asking this to me and all of us. Do you know where the Lord is by something that tells you on the inside? Well, you don't have to depend on your eyes all the time. You know how to find him. You know, we sing the song, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Do I know it when he walks into the room? I think he's walked into the room today. <laughs> and if you do know it when he walks into the room, amen. <laughs> right on cue. Right on cue. I pay that. Never mind. Do you know it? And if you do know it when he walks in, how do you respond? Cotton. Or, oh, you know, when I smell something good, I used to live in, in Dallas uh, by the Mrs. Baird's factory, uh, Mrs. Baird's Bakery off of Central Express. You're nodding. And you could smell it was just cruel. Four in the afternoon, the bread would just, ah, you know. Well, you, when you smell that, you just want to go. You want to run to it, okay? So, so that's, that's that thought where... God is present everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. But there are times and places where God is more present. And so when we sense the manifest presence of God, are we able to increase in our discernment? Are we able to, you know, our ability to, to discern what he's doing and how he's doing it? Um, 
some thoughts here on Hebrews 5.14. It's in your notes there. You, uh, it says of mature believers that these mature believers, by reason of practice or use, have their senses trained to discern good from evil or good and evil. So there's some comments I want to make about that. This is one of my, really one of my favorite verses, that I can have my senses trained and I can get better at discerning. But when I say discerning here, when you discern, it says between good and evil, you discern the goodness of God so you can run to him, so you can run into his beauty, into his joy, into his peace, into his healing. See, a lot of times I'll, it'll be like I'll see like keys drop down from the ceiling. I know that's, but it's like God's releasing grace for people. And it's like if you'll reach and receive that key, it will unlock something going on in your life. I want to be able to know that when that's happening. And so this is part of, this is possessing the land in our life that's like Caleb is being able to discern God's presence and know what to do. You know, we discern the goodness of God so we can run to him. We discern the badness of the devil so we can run from him. We run to the goodness of God. When we discern evil, we want to run from that. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee youthful lusts. Those who are into the two, 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 two thing, nobody like that. Well, there's a verse. There's your verse. Flee youthful lusts. So if you discern this is really not the Lord here, then you know to avoid. Then there's uh, Romans 12, 9. Abhor what is evil. You've discerned evil. Cling to what is good. Well, that really helps us when we can discern that. So, you know, the next point there, little paragraph B, is, um, is discernment, or paragraph A, it's a little A in your notes. Discernment is not suspicion, okay? So, you know, God gave you this sense of smell, spiritual smell, not so you could go around sniffing people. <laughs> He's good. He's bad. You're, you know, you're mature, you love the Lord, you're, you know, you're lukewarm, that, that, kind of, that kind of thing. He didn't give us the discernment so that we could go around and make ourselves the great judge of the human heart, people around us. He gave us the discernment primarily to, to run to him and run from evil. But there are certainly times when you have a concern. And the times that you do, let the Holy Spirit bring the concern to you. Don't go out on the hunt. Be here, and then he'll alert you. He will bring that to your spirit uh, as to what's, what's going on there. Let the Holy Spirit bring the concern to you. And if the Holy Spirit gives you a burden for someone, which is a, a term I like to use, like I have a burden for someone. I'm not sitting there being critical. I'm going... Mm, there's something there. Ask the Holy Spirit how to pray for them. Ask him how you can help them, how you can serve them. 
So these are general things, and, and we, we need to do both. We need to keep our focus here, and then the Lord will alert us. He'll be faithful. Um, by the way, found this over the years, the actions of a weak, broken, yet sincere believer, the outward actions many times look the same as an unsaved, rebellious unbeliever. Outwardly, you see the same action. But one is coming from a place of brokenness, and they are, they are pained inside that they did that. The other doesn't care, really. They're not, they don't have a yes toward God. And I can just, again, give you, this is more my experience over the years. There are very few wolves in the church. There are a whole lot of weak and hurt sheep and, and immature. Okay, so the vast majority, we don't have to, I mean, the Lord will alert when there's a wolf going on, but the vast majority, we, we look at each other and go, you know, they need discipleship. They need love. They need care. They don't need me to judge them. They need me to love them. They need family. They, that's discipleship, right? Revival is family. So so, a few thoughts on, on our, the discernment there. Now, oh, we'll throw this in. As leaders, when you're leading something, you are called to discern things. So I'll just leave that there. So it's not, but, but the same thing, true leaders are looking to the Lord and looking to serve. So the Lord's faithful to show us. So little paragraph, B, little B, I believe we can sharpen our discernment by practice. And I gave three practical ways by being in our services like you're doing today, by being in home groups, and by being in the prayer room. Because you're, you're putting yourself in a place where you're waiting on the Lord. And then your senses get better and sharper. And then when you're at Gold's Gym, the Lord will say, hey, there's somebody there. I'm convicted I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> Paragraph B, a big B, I'm going to just go right to the video, if you don't mind, Sloan, because um, you can read the notes there. The second lesson from Caleb uh, is, is a dog never drops out. A trained dog never drops out. Never A do trained dog hangs on, doesn't quit, continues to follow the master no matter how hard it gets. Okay? And so I think of the definition of dogged. You can read those, but dogged determination. So as I was looking at this second one, a, a, a lesson is a dog never drops out. And I thought of this. Does anyone know what the Iditarod was and is? Am I the only one? A couple people? Used to be on ABC's Wild World, Wild World Wide World of Sports. Okay, and, and, and it's this thousand-mile dog race. That I thought about us. Now, in this, it breaks down a little because the, the, the leader is behind them, but for us, the leader is in front of us. So let's just go ahead and, and watch the video for a second, for a minute. They come here, and here, and there, hoping that good fortune allows them to reach here. 
It's an ambition for many that started months earlier. For others, it may have started decades ago. In theory, they're prepared for anything, but this trail is where reality meets anything goes, where a brutal wind blows, the cold bakes hot, and the snow blind. Here, at times, might seem like a dream or a nightmare as this trail is a gauntlet of torture or beauty, serene which may be fleeting or relentless. It's a thousand miles of igniting one sense, sunsets you can drink, blizzards so thick they warp time, miles so long you may grow old in their passing, cold so bitter your fingers might burn off. And wrapped in it all, in all of its crazy, wild, self-mutilating reality, this beauty, the simple fact that at its core, its lifeblood, its artery to which nothing flows without it, a beautiful relationship between Musher and his or her team. Between dog a and bond, master. a pledge of trust, unity. Take one step out here without it, and a dream won't end. A nightmare will come of age. There's only one certainty on this trail. It's unpredictable. Pandora's box will soon be opened, and it's booby trap. And before the mushers reach Nome, they will conquer the Alaska Range, travel the interior, forge their way up the Yukon before reaching the Bering Sea and all of its beauty and beastliness. Beauty out there just is spectacular. It's just like, I can't even believe that we get to do this. Competition aside, love for the dogs. I mean, I'm a nature lover just to see all these different places. That's enough to make it worth it right there. And then you add the love of the dogs, the love of the competition, the sport. I mean, it's just a very powerful experience out there to be out in God's beautiful country, you know? Thank you. But what, did, what was coming out of that master, of that musher, or something, was love. So it's about love and about beauty. And, you know, the dogs could feel he was loving the dogs. The dogs were loving, loving him. Thousand mile race, a lot like the Christian life. A journey, really hard, really cold, but then really beautiful and really rewarding. By God's grace, we will learn that lesson and not drop out. Many are dropping out, they're, they're falling away from that vibrant walk with Jesus but we're of a different spirit. We're not going to drop out. We're going to rise up. We're not going to run out of our own strength. We will run out of our own strength, but we will be filled up with the strength of the Lord. Uh, finally, uh, the third lesson is, is uh, a dog waits. Waits. He's learned to wait. Some of you think, at least I did, I thought for many years it just took faith to enter the promise. Let me back up. I forgot. There's there's this verse about endurance that's really key. It's in your notes. Hebrews 10, 36, about the dogs. It says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So I know I can't just endure it myself. I have to ask for the endurance of the Lord. Now, the third one is a dog waits. Caleb waited 40 years. A dog waits, and it doesn't just take faith. Hebrews 6.12 says to enter the promises, it takes faith and patience. 
It takes faith and patience. It's not enough to have faith. You see, it takes time to develop character. We live in an age of instant everything, don't we? But there's one thing we cannot get instantly, and that's character. And the Lord is much more interested in character than he is in gifts. I'm so glad. (laughs) Yes. You can receive a wonderful gift, but it doesn't change your character one bit. I mean, if you were selfish and unreliable before you received the gift, you will be selfish and unreliable still after you receive the gift. And here's actually a truth. It actually can be dangerous for a Christian to receive a prolific gift because they will then tend to substitute the gift for character. They'll, they, will, they will think, I've got the gift, I must have the character. But the gift doesn't change the character. The gift can come, oh, I got this gift. But character takes time. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And last time I checked, if I plant an apple seed, that apple won't come up. By the way, it takes time. So it takes time. We've learned, you know, you can, we've looked, looked earlier, Caleb learned because he fully followed the Lord. You can train a dog. It takes some effort, but you can train a dog to, uh, to follow you. It takes training. But it's much more difficult to train a dog to wait. It takes time. It takes a lot of energy to train a dog to wait. We're talking about character. I'll just say this again about God's interested in the character um, Please hear me, family. (laughs) When you step out of time and into eternity, you won't take your gifts with you. All you'll take with you is your character. Developing your character. I think Mike Bickle said this a few years ago. He said, the currency of the eternal kingdom is love and humility. I want to learn to love. I want to learn greater ways to walk in humility. Because that's what we're going to carry with us. Paragraph B there. You know you can train a dog to follow, as I said, but it's much more difficult to train him to wait. Have you ever gone into a a large store and you see a dog outside waiting? Right? They're waiting for their owner. By the way, I say owner, master, whatever. You know, 1 Corinthians 6 says we're bought with a price. We're not our own. We're bought with the blood of Jesus. So he is our owner. If you've come to Christ, you've been purchased. So these dogs are waiting outside the, the, the door, the, the, the store. They're sitting outside. They're patiently waiting. They're sniffing at everyone who comes in because they've got that great smell, but they're not moving when they see them if they're not their master. That's a dog that has been trained to wait. So as we begin to close here, worship team, if you can come up, have we been trained to wait? There's a lot of discipleship about follow Jesus, but how much have we been trained 
to wait. It can be tempting to just say, well, I'm just going to follow, but I want my character to grow. We've got to be trained in both ways. So let's say you're, you're a good dog, you're a good, strong, you're a believer in Jesus. You've learned to follow your owner, but have you learned to wait? He doesn't know. You know those dogs up there? They don't know what their owners have gone in there for. They don't know how long they're going to have to wait. The owner doesn't explain to him, now I'm going in to just get shampoo and grass-fed milk and free-range salmon, you know. They're not, they're not, they don't need to know. Yeah, some of you caught that. It's my jab. I get to be up here and jab at stuff, so. Right, Rachel? Where are you? She's not listening. But he waits, you know. Um, so when you've reached a certain place of maturity in the Christian life, the Lord will say to you, now I just want you to wait. And it's nothing you've done wrong. He won't tell you what he's going to do. He won't say how long he's called you to wait in your Christian walk. He just says, I want you to wait. He just wants to see if we're trained. He wants to see if we're mature or if we will get up and run off to someone or something else in the waiting that's not our master, that's not our owner. Because he's really after our heart and he's after our character. Before they, before they play, I just saw it kind of this way. I'd like to show one more picture to inspire us of, uh, it's a video of a dog who waited, and it's kind of from an inside edition thing. And so here. That's a true friend. Bon Shook, the dog, waited faithfully outside a hospital where her human was being treated. The heartwarming vigil happened in the northern Turkish city of Trabzon. It started when Banshuk witnessed her owner being taken to the hospital in an ambulance. The loyal canine companion chased after the ambulance and waited outside the doors of the facility. When her human family took her home, she busted out and went right back to the medical center. She runs away from home and comes here all by herself, said her owner's daughter. The little white dog waited from morning till night, hoping to see her friend. When owner Chamal was well enough to go outside, the two had a sweet reunion. She's very used to me, and I miss her too, constantly, he told reporters. Thankfully, Chamal has been discharged from the hospital, and now he and Bonshuk are home, together. This is Inside Edition Digital. Amen. Let's all stand, if you would. I showed that not just because it illustrates waiting, but because it illustrates a longing that I've felt in my heart many times when I've lost contact with Jesus. I mean, I'm still a believer, but when I've drifted or wandered, there's something in me that, that says, wait, I'm not right until we're back together. So I'd like you to just close your eyes if it helps you for a moment. Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you. I mean, there's been a lot of amazing 
things today that God has done to, to touch and move in these baptisms and the power of the Spirit. But if there's an area of, of your life where you've lost contact with Jesus, you can feel like you've taken 20 steps away from Him, but it's only one step back to say, here I am, yes, Lord. So wherever that area is right, right now, I just encourage you to respond and say, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back all the way to you. Maybe you're, you're here today, you've watched the baptisms and you thought, I've never really got known Jesus personally. I've never really had real contact with him. Today, I want to encourage you as well to come to him for the first time. Some of you are coming back. I want to just open the altar up right now for you to take it. It's really a step of faith. I know we're, we're close to time, regular time here. So, but, it, but I encourage you to come and stand here and say, you know, there's an area of my life I'm coming back to all the way contact with the master Jesus or you're coming forward and three things I saw for this altar time you're coming forward to come to the master for the first time say I want to I want to know Jesus and then the third one is I want I want to receive more endurance to, to not drop out to to stay strong in the Lord on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't want to drift and, and become weak. So as they begin, as they play, I just want to open the altar for you to just come forward. I just want to pray over all of us, but I want you to be able to come here and just receive grace. To endure and to have that intimate contact that you used to have. I see, like when I saw that dog, I was like, yeah, he's looking through the glass five days waiting. It's like, I want, I want to feel, I want that enjoyment, how you enjoy me. I want to experience that again. Today's a big day. Of